0: I am so excited about this episode because I love Pearl Jam and I love baseball. And if someone had told me when I was a kid, I would be talking sports with Pearl Jam frontman Eddie Vedder, I would have said you were crazy. But. Vetter is a diehard Chicago Cubs fan, so it made a lot of sense to pair him with Cubs first baseman and one of the most respected players in the organization, Anthony Rizzo. These guys took time out of their schedules to join me. We begin with Eddie Vetter passing the time in Hawaii. Where are you guys? Where are you right now? Eddie, you're in Hawaii. You look very, very tan.
1: We made a great escape. Uh, We knew we had some... A bit of off time but you know the the kids i've got two daughters and they can do their schooling remote and uh we're still being super safe basically quarantined but um it, it does feel fairly safe and and you can be outdoors and um you know right now it feels like safety first i mean i i, I do feel a little bit guilty you know it's it's raining and windy and 45 degrees in seattle and you know, it's rainy and windy here too, but it's, it's maybe like 79.
0: I'll take temperatures like that. So Rizzo, where are you? You're in your man cave.
1: I'm in the office.
2: Uh, I'm down in Florida. I got my gold gloves. Nice. Uh, I have the goats, I have my Merino helmet and Tom Brady helmet. So I grew up, I mean, just despising the Patriots cause they beat us every year, but, Now I actually actually grew to love them, and now I'm rooting for Tom uh, with the with the Bucks because he's just how he does it year in and year out is just incredible.
0: Eddie, what is it about the sport of baseball that captivates you like nothing else?
1: Well, I I think initially, you know, it was the magic of being taken to Wrigley Field as a you know six year old. um, I I, I think that, uh, and then every pretty much every game was televised which was rare back in the day on back on wgn chicago it was black and white for us because we still we didn't have a color tv yet. um so imagine the first time going to the game and then and then seeing it in color for the first time and i was like walking like through the mirror (laughs) of alice in wonderland or something you know and you know, as an adult, kind of being invited to the ballpark or getting to meet, you know, Mark Grace and Andre Dawson and Rod Beck and smoke and drink in the clubhouse back when you could, you know. And now it was experiencing as an adult and, and kind of being brought backstage, and 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 then to kind of put that dedication into like a team and to have it turn into this thing that that happened, really starting around 2011, 2012 and. Theo started on that. So I think that's when Rizzo came in. I mean, that's how I heard about Rizzo was through Theo. And he said, God, there's this kid, you know, and we are so excited about this kid. <laughs> and then when we he took the field, it was like this this grown man, you know. I'm like, this was the kid that got through some difficulties at 18, you know. This is this guy's a badass. <laughs> He's a monster. And, and it wasn't until we met, might have been before a game. I think it was that year. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd look forward to saying hi to him. And, and then I met him, and up close, he really was. Back then, Rizzo, I mean, you, you really were like a baby face kid. <laughs> <Still am. laughs> you were handsome, but you were cute, too. <laughs> uh, thank you.
0: Rizzo, how did you feel based on what Eddie's description was? Did it match?
2: Um... I knew, I, as I got to know Ed more, I've known his love for baseball more, and how much it's grown and his collection of all memorabilia. I mean, I walked into the field, what was it, 15 maybe? And I have a Mark Super Duper helmet. Uh, Mark Duper from uh, the, Dol- what was yeah, it, the, Duper the Dolphins. Yeah, Duper Clayton. Early Dolphins. Yeah. 80s Dolphins
1: or something.
0: Oh, yeah. And it was,
2: and it was a note led to me just how, because he knows I like the Dolphins and from his personal collection. I was just like Really? Yeah. And just seeing, you know, when we won in uh fifteen and six, I believe this picture is in sixteen that we took here. Uh just the parties at Lester's house afterwards and Ed coming again to talk to him the more intimate, away from the field, conversations and dinners, dinner and spring training. Uh just all those and, and hearing the stories and, and his memories of Wrigley and and I have a pillow on my couch in Chicago. There's magic in the ivy, you know, and it's quoted by Eddie. So it's just it's really cool for you know, to hear the song you know, someday we'll go all the way and then be part of the team that went all the way uh, and then to celebrate that with, with so many Cubs fans and then Eddie just defines a Cub fan. When you walk into Wrigley Field and you just get that feeling of, like, it's just not disappointment when you walk in. When you walk out, it could be different. But as a Cubs fan, walking in, you're, <laughs> I mean, you know I mean? Your favorite player is going to go five for five with five home runs every time you walk into that stadium because it's just that, that's what Wrigley really feeling like being a Cubs fan is about.
0: Now, for those of you who aren't huge Cubs fans, or maybe baseball is not your number one sport, let me give you a little background here. Before 2016, the Chicago Cubs had endured more than a century of heartache. They hadn't won a title in 108 years, despite the efforts of Hall of Fame players like Mr. Cub himself, Ernie Banks, the legend. Ernie, in a story you're about to hear, challenged Eddie Vedder to write a song for the team, to inspire the team to go all the way and win a World Series title. In
1: 2016,
0: that's exactly what the Cubs did. And that's exactly what the song is called. And how did um, All the Way, how was that born?
1: You know, I was down at uh this Randy Huntley camp he used to do. Um and and it was just a great place to be around other uh uh veteran cup players and all this. And and there was a rain, we got rained out. We'd play two games a day, and we got we got rained out on Wednesday or something. And um Ernie was there for a few days that week. I think it was um it was his birthday and he was he was spending some time with uh Billy Williams and some of the old guys. Uh and Jose Carnell who I grew up, uh he was my favorite player, uh, also Michelle Obama's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said, uh, you know, hey, Eddie, you ever meet Ernie? And I, no, no. He said, Hey Ernie, Edie, Edie, the very good singer. <laughs> And uh, Ernie said, uh, "You sing." I, well, I said a little bit, you know. He says, yeah, uh, "You play the songs. You, you play the instrument." Yeah, yeah. Plays it. You write the songs. <laughs> said, yeah, sometimes I write the songs. And then he said, uh, "He just he just locked into my eyes and, and said you know.' And this is the first time I'm talking to Ernie. I mean, when you're talking to Ernie. It's like you're talking to the ivy. It's like you're talking <laughs> to the scoreboard. Like you're." And he said, Wrigley Field needs a song. The Cubs need a song. They need a song that, <laughs> that talks about the, the, the feeling you get when you're walking, the, you know, this whole thing. And I wanted to tell him, well, the reason that song doesn't exist is you, you, can't, you can't do that. It's impossible. <laughs> right. Plus, you know, it being his birthday and the whole thing. So the next day I skipped the, the morning game and, and just... Uh, and just worked on and 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 wrote that song that next day. And and then I and then I was gonna play it. There was a little dinner on Friday night, but then um Ernie had to leave. So I think that was a Thursday, then Friday I was gonna play it. Oh well I did play it at the little banquet. Uh but Ernie had left. And Ernie didn't hear it for a couple of years, I think, um, till one of the first years we made the playoffs. And, and then he called me out of the blue to say that he heard the song and and um, and, and what a feeling he got from it. And, and that was one of the, the nicest moments of my life was hearing Ernie respond to uh, you know that he that he loved it. Like he, he said, this is what I feel in the morning when I wake up. This is what I, how did you do that, young man? You know, anyways, blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm complimenting myself through Ernie, but geez, it was uh, one of the, one of the, like those moments that gives you chills, you know?
0: Oh, that's amazing. How long did it take you to write it that morning when you wrote it? I
1: tried to tell that story quick, about as long as it took me to tell that story.
0: (laughs) It's pretty quick. Rizzo, what was your reaction the first time you heard the song?
2: I thought it was incredible. It, it just explains everything about the Cubs. And then what year was it when you had Ernie on stage? Was it 14 when you played at uh, Wrigley?
1: Oh, yeah, with the rain delay. You know? yep.
2: and he, Another rain delay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Right? Ernie was up on stage with you, right? Yeah. And, and he
1: had to sit through the... Two and a half hour delay in order to make it because we were yeah. like he was coming up on the next song and then we had this massive lightning storm and everybody had to get cleared out so he was very kind very patient and um and accepted our offer of uh you know a few glasses of red wine that was nice. i
2: don't really re- recall the first time i heard it but if it was early on in my time with the cubs I wouldn't have appreciated as much as I did in that 2015-16 and even I appreciate even more now because I know what I can just relate to I feel like every Chicago and Cubs fan uh, and even White Sox fans too who hate the Cubs and, and whatnot just the passion that Chicago people have for the sport and then
0: I have a White Sox fan in my house right now, and he just laughed out loud when you said that.
2: <laughs> I mean, But that's the thing is that, because the best part is when, when I first came to Chicago, we, we sucked, and the Blackhawks were dominating, and there was Blackhawks here everywhere. And our clubbies, our clubhouse guys, Otis and Gary and Danny would say, you just wait until we're good. You just wait. You, you'll never see anything like it. Wow. and we got good and oh, then that's all awesome. of a sudden it's it goes from all red to blue and there's blue everywhere and then you see the bears a couple years ago when they went to the playoffs just the whole city unite even more because the the cubs you still have another fan base there but with the bears you just see everyone unite and, and come out of the woodwork to root on for the bears and it's I, mean, I haven't seen the bulls good yet but i can't even imagine what that was like back then and, the passion everyone has uh for their teams and for their sports teams is just it's it's i'm honored and and grateful every day to be playing there to be in chicago
0: All right everybody, good news, bad news here. The good news is, well at least from my perspective, we are getting to the end of winter. The bad news, we're not totally out of that danger zone yet regarding cold temperatures and your starting and charging system in your car. You guys know as well as I do, if your car doesn't start, that can throw your entire day off. Getting your engine started and running requires three critical connected parts. It's the battery, the starter, and the alternator. Fortunately, AutoZone has a solution for most starting and charging issues. Your battery starter and alternator can all be tested at AutoZone for free, helping you identify the right issue. That's so key. The battery and alternator can be tested on the car in the parking lot. If the cold has your vehicle starting low, slow, or not at all, AutoZone can help with your issue and get you back on the road. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Our podcast is presented by AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I was thinking about connecting points for you guys and one of the things that came up to me was a glove, right? Because Eddie, I I heard your epic story about Ernie Banks and in, in your childhood glove. And then Riz, I thought about you and obviously the final out to win the World Series. And so Eddie, what can you tell the listeners that story because I was I was like, "Oh, I wonder where that glove is now."
1: Oh, it's just, you know, we were playing Wrigley. It was the first time playing Wrigley and I'm um, getting backed up and ready to go to on tour and then I thought about about the Wrigley gig and I and I grabbed my first childhood mitt I thought well I'm just going to bring it you know like I used to bring it in the stands and and now I'll, I'll, I'll put it on my amp on the stage or something you know I'll, you know cuz now basically I'm in you know I'm getting a place in field. you know obviously I couldn't do it the way like Rizzo did with <laughs> talent and uh, <laughs> A great bat, but um either way, I was getting out there and I was a little excited about it. And um so we went to the rain delay, and and there it was. And I, I asked Ernie, I said, jerry would you would you sign this mitt for me? And um and he said, oh, Absolutely. And then he he put it on, and and it's this tiny little Charlie Brown looking mitt, you know, because I grew up in nineteen seventy. That was nineteen seventy seventy two, eight years old, nine years old. It's one of those little Charlie Brown mitts, and and he, but he put it on, and he just, he just fell in love with this glove. He just said, you know, I really love this glove. I love, you know, da da da. He said, you know, it'd be great if you if you gave me this glove. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, man. I mean, it's my first mitt. I don't know if you want it. It's just guys no, but we we have a connection. <laughs> We'd have a connection. And I put it on my desk, and there is love in this glove, and da-da-da. And he was showing my daughter, you could catch it like this, you could catch it like that, you know, doing this whole thing. So absolutely, you know, Bernie Banks asked you for your glove, you'd give me a fucking glove. It couldn't be a bigger honor, you know. And then we stayed close. He'd, he'd, he'd give me phone calls every once in a while, just out of the blue, sing me a song, you know. There are birds singing in the sycamore tree, you know all this stuff, and you know two hour conversations and um stuff that he normally wouldn't talk about. He wasn't one to talk about kind of the challenges of of uh you know racism back in the day he handled it with 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 grace, but I mean, it took some real strength and and it's something that I don't think you'd find in 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 interviews but you know, and I've talked to Jose Cardinal a lot about those times. I mean, this was in our lifetime. This was, you know, they were they were maybe not staying in the same hotels as white players and being able to eat in the same restaurants in, you know, in the mid-60s. You know, mm-hmm. I was born. Um, minor leaguers, they, they, were, they were sleeping in funeral homes. You know, like I said, I, I was grateful for that time with Ernie. And then um, when he passed away took a few years, but one of his caretakers or something, they, they made sure I got the mitt back, which is oh, nice. Because wow. now it's signed. Oh. Uh, brings back a great memory for me.
0: That's a great story. Rizzo, where, where is your glove? And the ball, for that matter, from the final out?
1: I know where the jersey is.
0: Where's the jersey?
1: The Game 7 jersey, Riz. I know where that is. <laughs> In my dad's closet? I saw your dad wearing it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: One of the last playoff games, yep. Yeah.
2: My dad has the jersey. I gave my the jersey to my dad. The glove is gone. I don't really know what the glove is. And then the ball, I gave back to Mr. Ricketts. Got it. Uh, the jersey was the most memorable for me, but I gave that to my dad and my mom. My dad actually wears it. He's worn it a few times.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I know. Which is great. He's like a walk-in museum. Then we get to see it. The people get <laughs> right, to see right. it. We touch it. We touch it.
2: Yeah, when I get it back there's going to be like ketchup stains on it and mustard stains. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> that makes it sauce. even more authentic.
2: Exactly. So um but yeah, I still have, I still have the World Series jerseys uh put away that I mean it's just those are memories that are forever in the pictures and the celebration and you know you go back and watch the games I, I was positive during quarantine this game 7 seemed like it was on every other day. Right, on right. TV. Uh, and getting actually to sit down and and watch, still haven't watched it from start to finish, but just catching clips of it. And every time Rajay Davis hits the home run, I scream, "No, throw the slider!" <laughs>
0: like you don't know what's coming. Did it? Did it feel like it was 108 years rolling towards you in that grounder? Take like that moment for you. What was that like?
2: That moment was. I mean, you just. The human mind, unfortunately, goes to a negative place. Uh, don't mess up. Oh, no. Don't do this. You know, Don't miss the ground ball. So, I mean, I'm in the dugout, like, you know, towards the end, I'm like, just, you know, taking deep breaths. Uh, I mean, it's cold out. So, got pine tar, like, plastered over my glove because um, there's no way a ball's popping out of my mitt. Um, it just won't allow it to happen. And then when that ball's hit and... It was Michael Martinez's first at bat of the series. And I thought he was a lot faster. Um, so that ball's hit the little dribbler to Chris. I'm like, oh, boy. Because there's a runner on second. I go, this ball goes over my head. We're, it's a tie game again. So Chris throws and sails a little bit. I'm like, just please. Uh, and, then all, and then just when you catch it, it's just everything. The, the work, I mean, it really started. And it starts as a kid, right? You want to win the World Series. That's your dream as a kid if you want to play baseball. Played in the major leagues and hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth of two outs of the World Series to win. Right. And then once it becomes reality, it's like, okay, I don't care what team I'm on. I just want to play in the big leagues. You know, you want to kind of like what Joe Madden used to always talk about, like there's five steps of a big league, and it's just being there. So then you get there, uh, and I went traded a couple of times get sent down from San Diego and you start questioning, man, I know I'm good enough. I just couldn't, you know, I just needed another year of, you know, to figure it out, and make adjustments. And then when you get to the Cubs and you get traded to the Cubs and it's just like, wow, I'm getting to play for, I mean, one of my favorite movies growing up was Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. My favorite <laughs> baseball. Movie. So you just get to play for this historic franchise and then we stink. We lose 100 years my first year, but we're building towards a championship. We're building towards a really good team, and you could feel it as the year. You know, twelve we stunk. Thirteen we weren't very good. Fourteen we made huge leaps, and then fifteen. It's just that's when it started. It was like this sense of belief. The second half of fifteen. So you have basically a year and a half of just you know we get our hearts broken. I was convinced I would have put all my money in the world that we would have won the World Series in fifteen. That's how wow you know, convinced I was. So we run into the Mets, and they're Amazing pitch. Their team was amazing that year, and they they deserved to go to the World Series. But it's heartbreaking. So then you go into sixteen with all of this momentum of just you know World Series, World Series, World Series, whatever it took. So when you catch that last out, basically with the same group of guys from fifteen, you rolled over sixteen. It's just everything that went into it was just like came out, and that's I think why you saw the celebration was just so massive especially the parade and the Mm. record number of people. It was just, it all came together and you feel all the Cubs fans and hear all the stories and you see everyone going to the graves and and saying we did it to their loved ones who couldn't get to see it. Uh, That's when it starts kicking them even more like, wow, this was some historic stuff we just did. And we knew it was, but
1: after we really... I've always, I've never asked you, did you you see Bryant, like there's that little hiccup you know, the grass is wet. There's a little... Sl- did you notice that part? I mean, you're just waiting for the throw. But did you see that at all?
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't see the smile because he's smiling when he's fielding. I don't know how. But I did <laughs> see him slide a little bit. And it was wet, obviously, because the rain delay. So that's when I was even more nervous because, like I said, if, if the ball gets by me, they run scores from second. So... I kind of went into Goldie mode a little bit and the ball did sail a little high, but I think that was just perfect to go up and then, you know, as a kid all the time uh, with my dad and my brother and my mom, we would always, whoever won, we would just be like champions of the world and we would raise our hands up. Oh, this
0: is the kind of stuff that makes me cry. Rizzo. (laughs) God.
2: So to be able to do that and then me and Rossi had a just predetermined playoff plan because he caught and I was at first, there's a really good chance we can get the Division Series ball, the Championship Series ball, <laughs> and then we get the World Series ball. I get that trio, I don't think we'll ever have to work again. Uh, and actually, I have the Division and the NLCS ball still, but I ended up giving the rightfully so back to the Ricketts family. It's <sighs> super long. Yeah. you know what's really cool is that eddie is such a i mean world-renowned musician and can go all over the place and as as, as big and as a rock star that you are at you just continue to get a text from him when he's in rome and he's really? wearing my jersey on stage in rome and it's like i can't even put into words like i'm
1: Italian descent, right? But the coolest know. thing, Rez, is that, that an Italian threw it up on stage. That's right. That was the coolest <laughs> part. <laughs> yeah. It's just you don't see that.
2: And I'm not, I'm not older by any means, but you just don't see the the connection I feel like with the musicians and the athletes and I mean, it's still there a lot, but you just don't see the passion that, that it has. And it's, it really it's, as a as an athlete it's really amazing to have
0: This is something that I was so intrigued by. So when you guys talked about Lester's party, you know, and we've seen the great video and y'all are there singing, and it's just it's awesome. Eddie, you said somewhere that it was like, okay, the fact that it was everybody on the team that was really involved. It was the white guys, the black guys, the Latinos. And I covered the nationals in the 2019 World Series. And I was struck then by Davey Martinez, the skipper of the nationals, because I learned during that series that he had gone to Anibal Sanchez and asked him to be the glue in the clubhouse and to help bridge that culture difference. And that's just the first time I had ever heard anybody talk about that in, in baseball, you know? And so when you said that, I was like, oh, whoa, like that's, that's the world series chemistry, right? That it seems like all these teams have, and it's a different kind of togetherness. And I, I found that fascinating. And so I was curious from both of you, like, Eddie, why that stuck out to you but also rizzo like why is that such a hard thing to accomplish in a clubhouse or isn't it
2: that's the beauty of baseball and why i love i've been fortunate to be doing this for a while now but we come from all over Mm -hmm. the world really and we have so many different beliefs so many different backgrounds and so many different ways people were raised big cities and small cities so when you come into the clubhouse for nine months um I'm sure you guys can both relate to this when you're on the road for a while and working And Eddie when you're torn, I don't care if it's your best friend in the entire world. You're going to want to kill them at some point, right? So, you know, as the team, as you get on your journey through the season, each season is our own journey, it's bringing that team together, coming together, and the best teams you're on, everyone's hanging out after the game. Everyone's all involved. Outside of the field too, that's making it that family, making that bond so much more special.
0: Eddie, is it like bandmates?
1: That's the cool thing, and then you get some time together, and then and then there's there's stuff that happens that just kind of unspoken. Or uh, when you look at the way that javi handles the ball, and you know he can you know no look, you know he's not even no look passing, he's no look catching. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's invented something, but. Um, i I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about the game and why I don't like missing you know an inning is is those moments they They might not be highlights, but those are the cool ones that, that's your, you're seeing the communication, you know, the communication between you know it's like they're in a band. And that's the one thing you know I, I woke up. it's just hard to see your favorite guys. you know it would be like all of a sudden getting news that the record company traded our guitar player. to another band i'm glad i don't have to deal with that kind of reality because you are you're talking about brothers and and especially you you riz like you and lester lester's been one of my favorite people to know to hang out with i love his family i love his parents (laughs) you know it's such a great story um what a great competitor. What a great friend. So how are you feeling after hearing the news? Or did you know you probably knew before us?
2: That's, that's the hard part about this game. That's the business side. That's just, especially what he's done for me personally, uh, dating back to when I was sick and the advice he gave me that I still pass on the kids. And then just what he's done as a professional. He's the ultimate professional. And I owe so much to him and Farah. Just everything they've done, the parties at their house, the we won in fifteen, no I don't think anyone on that team really knew what winning was. And he's throwing these big old parties afterwards and we're I mean, Ed, you were there, we're all there and we're all the families are there and everyone's there.
1: Wow. And just
2: the things he provided for our team and, and for us. That's the hard part about the game is you you see a lot of your good friends. But John will be a lifelong friend and I know he's on a different teams, but there will definitely be memories still to come. It's just—it's a tough part about the sport, but that's—you know—that's what it is.
0: He's like the glue guy, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just the memories you make. That's why I mean, growing up, my mom, and grandparents, my dad, and my brother—just never take anything for granted. And it's so cliche, and I'm not the first. I'm sure it won't be the last. You probably even say it today. And I don't. I don't. I take every every day, every moment. There's so many times I'll just
1: pinch myself and be like, wow. When you're at Lester's house, you're saying, I'm drinking right now the finest whiskey (laughs) that man has ever made. (laughs) And yeah, when you say what he provided the families and the players, yeah, it was like the finest whiskey. Oh, and then... Fall of last year, October, he treated everybody in the city of Chicago to drinks for a couple days or a week. What? Oh, what? 50 grand a million likes. I mean, that's a class, class act.
0: Is it true? Can you set the record straight on something that you ended up going to Wrigley to take batting practice with Theo Epstein that night after Lester's party, the night of the NLCS clinching?
1: Yeah, Riz, you guys had to go to bed. You had to get ready for the the plane flight. But um <laughs> Theo and I, you know, the night was still young around 3:30. And um
0: Oh my gosh.
1: You know, to go to bed it would seem like a waste to that that fine whiskey and and the uh <laughs> this particular elevated feeling that that we had for so many reasons. And um <laughs> we ended up back at the ballpark, me and Theo, and I believe a guy named Scott Harris. We took some swings in the cage that felt pretty good. And then we just walked out to the field and, you know, it was, it was that, that calm little bit of glow from a certain amount of work lights in, in, at Wrigley. But, um, and the sky was just starting to lighten up a little bit from the East. And, and it wasn't until we just laid in the outfield grass that we could really, Whoa. without saying a word, we could start hearing people still, You know, on the faraway rooftops and on balconies, and then um, still singing and still cheering, and um, and we just we 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 didn't really say anything. We just start laughing. We just start laughing. You know, not thinking what just happened, and that they're going to the World Series. When baseball's happening I I get really involved and you know, I can I can write and watch the game at the same time. In fact I I I, I enjoy that, you know, I can work on a piano thing or work on a guitar thing or, or record and then watch the game at the same time and um, you know, turn it up when it gets close. But um, you know, I it's it's kind of a meditation and I mean what I, I wanted to ask Anthony, what's it like what was it like last year? you know, going up in a critical situation when usually, especially at, at, at Wrigley or something, you've got, you know, this energy of the crowd that's behind you. What's it like without it? It would be like us playing without a crowd. It would, it would feel very, uh, you know, we, we feed off that energy. It's so much about the interactions. So what, what was that like?
2: It was, uh, I mean, especially at Wrigley, it was just, it's so strange because, Lindsay, like you said, you could hear everything. I mean, as soon as you get on the field, you're locked in and it's like you kind of adapted the first few games of spring training 2.0 was a lot different with no, no crowd you're at Wrigley and you're playing basically scrimmage games versus you know, white versus blue over there. And there's nothing. It's, I mean, it's dead silent. So it took probably like a week to get used to that. And then once games the game started, those, I mean, shoot, when, when it's, you know, 10, 15 years from now, even two years from now, like, people are going to look back and, you know, all those numbers are still going to count. The records are still going to count. The Dodgers are going to be the World Series champions. And, and that's what was our mindset was when it's all said and done. I, I was always quizzing guys like who was the last team, NBA team to win a shortened season. And maybe, Lindsay, maybe you know that, but it was LeBron's first championship with the Heat. And no one knows that.
0: Wow, that's See, a great point. Eddie, for you, like, has it been different and odd for your creative process this time? What have you had to adjust?
1: Well, to be honest, I'm, 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 a, a you know, a bit reclusive by nature, <laughs> and and the writing process is it, it, it can be that. So, um, to be honest, I, I've kind of struggled to get out of that for years and, and be more accessible my family uh you know not just be a mad scientist um and 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 tucked away in a studio but um so in in a way it was you know in, inviting <laughs> it was back to some of my own old behaviors of of you know you couldn't go out you you couldn't and, and that was that didn't feel that foreign to me i'm I'm more worried that that I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah it, it's a problem but
0: uh, <laughs> that's what my husband uh, says too that's funny
1: yeah well i'm I'm being honest about it and and um and, and i think that really it's you know trying to still thrive because it is a year of your life on planet earth and 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 you want to make it uh as is valuable and, and you appreciate it and, and you still want to do something positive and constructive and, and create positive memories from it. And, you know, we're not, we're not through the end of it by any means. And, and um, it seems like it'll be a long time before things get kind of even closer to back to normal.
0: Yeah. I, there are so many different emotions that go into this whole thing, but I'm a crier anyway. All right, guys, time to play a little game called X's and O's.
1: It's like kisses and hugs.
0: It is. It's like, no, no, no. It's the sports version (laughs) of X's and O's. Eddie, come on. (laughs) Um, Or it could be kisses and hugs. You take it how you want. All right. Your first CD or album that you purchased. Riz.
2: Oh, boy. Now? That's what I call one? The original now, maybe? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Whoa. Oh, that's a compilation. Wow
2: maybe jay-z the
1: black album maybe i had to get my parents approval for that one i don't know eddie how about you well it certainly wasn't a cd right
2: Uh, right yeah i
1: think it was 1971 and there was an album called uh got to be there by michael jackson it was a solo one um and it was four bucks at the hardware store
0: wow yeah, because Jackson Five—that was one of your faves, right?
1: Yeah, Jackson Five. I had records by them, but I never—the first one I saved my allowance up for was was that one. That's awesome.
0: All right, what would your walk-up song be, Eddie?
1: Ah, uh, uh, this song called um, "Give Me the Cure" by uh, by Fugazi. Why? I mean, I, I got a, I got a few that that would really? go. There's certain songs that just like the sound of them. It's like a drug. So that's what I would. That's what I would use.
0: Rizzo, favorite Cub ever?
2: Dexter Fowler.
0: Nice. Why? Wow. It's
2: just my best. He's been one of my best baseball friends. And his energy and him as a teammate, um, that's my playing favorite Cub. Uh, i past. It has to be Ernie Banks and Billy Williams. Billy, getting to know Ernie a little bit uh, was really special for me. And then Billy Williams, just, he shared a lot of stories with me. So it's, it's a couple, but...
0: So many to choose yeah. from.
2: Dexter was just the ultimate teammate, and I love him.
1: That's so cool. Tell him I said hi. Will you get this? I will. I will.
0: I love this one because I love the, um, the debate about, is it a superstition or is it a routine, right? So pre-game or pre-show routine or superstitions?
2: Um, I'm, I'm a big, like, if I put my right shoe on first, first left shoe like I'll notice like if I'm in a little rut I'll just like throw on the opposite shoe <laughs> or the way I tie my shoes before the game is sometimes gets a little different like, maybe it's a double knot maybe not um so that's I guess that's a superstition but everything else is, is all routine.
1: Hey Riz, Riz if you have a superstition and let's say something goes right in a game does your wife have to follow the same superstitions as you do? Is that part of the family dynamic?
2: No, she doesn't even realize. Well, you know what? Actually, yes. So one time we were, I was getting, I, I ordered uh, a Philly cheese steak in Chicago from one of, the, one of the restaurants. And I think I got like four hits that night. So the next day <laughs> I ordered the same thing for lunch. Therefore, she had the same thing. Uh, basically the same restaurant and that went on for like two weeks, like maybe even a month of just like, just riding that. Cause sometimes when things pop up, so yeah, I, I guess, yeah, she, when it's away from the field, if you do the same thing one day, you got to keep doing it. Right.
0: Oh, that's so interesting.
1: I was actually thinking in Seattle, I think you had two games in Seattle and I, maybe I remember, I feel like Emily, she said, I know I'm wearing the same thing as yesterday. Oh yeah, because
2: I had a good game. Yep, <laughs> a good day. same exact
0: clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep, shit shit.
2: Emily will definitely switch and see sometimes if I get a hit. I mean, they ride the wave with us just as much as
0: anyone. It's crucial, right, Eddie? What What'd you do pre-show? Do you have a a ritual that you take part in?
1: Uh, yeah, there's probably a little bit of OCD here and there. The one thing I do know is that our our tour manager guys for the last. 25 out of the 30 years, when it's time to play or go on stage, it, it, he won't say, like, okay, half hour. He won't say 10 minutes. It, it's always 17 minutes. So really? 17 minutes, guys. For Mark Grace? No, yeah, it was just this random 17 minutes, just starting really? in like 95. Now, the only thing, because I'm talking to you two and we talked about it before, how long was the rain delay at Wrigley, uh, in Cleveland? Wow, yeah, sounds Really? Nuts. Yeah, that's kinda of cool.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. Random, but
2: cool. That's crazy, yeah. Numbers, my family's my big numbers, that's, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, I used to have a, a director in racing when I was hosting a show that the last thing he would say before we went live was, and remember race car spelled backwards is race car. Isn't that funny? maybe not. I like that. Anyway, you can use them
1: in your children. Um, all right, hey, Lindsay, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm doing it again. I, I got a question for you. Do it. Okay. Okay. Riz gave me one of his mitts, like an amazing gamer from I think 2017. And it went to a, a, a dear friend of mine who's a big Chicago fan is left-handed and is also number 44. And he loved it, by the way. That was this Christmas. And thanks again, Riz, because that was- Thank you. That was awesome. All right, we'll leave you with that. You can think about it.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna report back. <laughs> That's great, now you're giving me homework. But Eddie, you're asking who's the 44, right?
1: Yeah, no, you have to tell me.
0: Because I don't know that answer yeah. off the top of my head, but I'm gonna figure this out.
1: Yeah.
2: He referenced. He referenced a hint during left handed 44, uh, big Chicago fan, world figure.
0: Oh, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sitting here sweating, like, oh my God, why don't I know this question? <laughs> That's so fitting, also.
2: It's so incredible.
1: And- oh, wow. I was okay that I mentioned it, but yeah, he, he's such a good person. You
2: know, I, purposely too, because he wanted, to to play some catch so i didn't want to sign it because i know when you get signed stuff you don't ever want to use it at least that's how i am so i purposely didn't sign it in hopes that one day you don't want to sign so then i just have another running
0: right (laughs) right and you can all yeah that's such a smart move uh rizzo you play piano right
2: Uh, i mean i play like four songs for like 20 seconds each that make me sound like i play the piano but it's something that I want to take up definitely when I'm done playing. It's just instruments. That, I mean, I wish I could be more music. My dad could play pretty much anything and just pick it really? up. he's he got the note and you he could hear it and then just start playing. And it's something he didn't pass down to my brother and I. am pissed about it.
1: <laughs> You'll have time. Take your time.
0: My last question for you is what? So, what position do you play when you do the um, the fantasy camp?
1: Uh, center field. Yeah, because everybody's old and, and, and pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I end up in um, center field. You know, when the average age is, you know, 70, <laughs> all of a sudden I, I got wheels.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right. Anthony Rizzo, Eddie Vedder. Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. This was such a hey, fun you. conversation.
1: Ed, I miss you, man. Yeah, I miss you too. It's good to see you. Hopefully this uh, summer. Yeah, I, d- I don't want Riz to retire anytime soon, but that's the thing with these ballplayers. You don't really get to hang out with them. They're just working. That's like, they have one of the harder schedules and um, don't really get to see them until after they retire. So take your time on that, Riz. I'll stay <laughs> healthy. We'll be on the boat in another 10, 15 years.
0: You're not retiring anytime soon, right, Riz? i have not. No plans. Okay. So, all right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Shotgun.
1: Okay, thanks, Lindsay. Thank you so
0: much for doing this, both of you. Seriously, Eddie, truly appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. An awesome connection between these two. One of my big takeaways was there were times in this conversation where I actually felt like Eddie Vedder was a co-host, just because he's such an authority on baseball, specifically the Chicago Cubs. And I loved the moments when I was hearing his fandom, sort of like he was a kid. He was that excited about it. I love that because obviously, as I said, to me, he's like this god, you know, of of music. So a totally different light in terms of Anthony Rizzo. He is truly one of the most respected players in the game, just because everybody knows what a great person he is. He's been through so much. He's a phenomenal player. But to hear him share the story of the way that he and his family used to imitate, saying, We are champions of the world. I mean, man, that is the stuff that gives me goosebumps. I also loved hearing Rizzo talk about what Eddie means to him and what kind of friend he is away from the game. These two, I I appreciate their time. I appreciate their story especially on the history of the game. And overall, it's just so awesome to see their connections and hear the stories that they share. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I cannot wait to share more episodes just like this.